Hey Church, Pastor Eric here, and I'm just so glad that you're joining us on our podcast today. I just pray that this message will stir up your faith, build you up, and just move you closer to the Father's heart. If you want to learn more about us as a church or would like to get further connected, you can visit us at our website at oasischurchchicago.com, download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, and also join us on YouTube for our live streams on Sundays and Wednesdays. We hope you find this message to be encouraging and life-giving. Now here's today's message from Pastor JP. We kicked off a series entitled Final Moments. And I want to say once again, welcome to anybody that this is your first time being at Oasis Church Chicago. We'd love to come alongside you, support you, help you. If you do not have a church home, we'd love to make sure that you get connected. But here in this house, um, we believe in the Word of God. It's a pillar of our house. We love the presence of God. We believe that we are called to be God's family and that we're called to go and, and serve this city. And so that's the pillars of our house. And so we wanted to take some time leading up to Easter. Come on, how many of you can't believe Easter's already right here back at it? Like, it's, it's, it feels this crazy. Um, last Easter, we were at our house, me and Rachel and Pastor Jordan, filming and broadcasting service. It's crazy. It's crazy how fast that has gone. So, sorry, that's just a moment for me to reflect. Bless you all. But we said, hey, as a church, we want to just take these moments leading up to Easter uh, Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and we want to take a deeper look into the last week, the final moments, the final hours of Jesus and what he did on this earth with his disciples, with his people, why he did what he did, what did it mean for us, what did it mean in that moment? We wanted to get closer to Jesus, and that's what we're doing. Amen? And so last week, we talked about... Um, the triumphant entry of Jesus, right? Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is usually the Sunday if we're following the church calendar. It's the Sunday right before Easter. We talked about it last week. If you do not listen or we're not here, I encourage you to go home. It's an incredible message, a reminder of what Jesus did, why he came the way he did, and what that means for us and what it meant for them then. And so today, we want to talk about Jesus and his disciples at the Last Supper. And I believe this is going to be a very crucial thing for us to catch because in this moment, during this time, Jesus initiates the new covenant. The new covenant. And, and that's a word that you might have heard growing up if you've been in any sort of Bible classes, if you've done Bible studies, you, you might know that for some people it's like, wait, what are you talking? Like, like covenant is kingdom talk. And so Jesus initiates this moment there right before he goes to the cross and he explains that the new and eternal covenant is upon them. And so Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 20, if you have your Bibles, follow along. If not, we have a big Bible up here and we're going to throw it up on the screen. We have a team. There we go. I want to make sure I'm reading the right passage. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Okay, so remember last week, right? Jesus walks in, he comes into the town, he, he makes his triumphant entry in as the lamb that would be slain, right? Just catch, catch this image once again, that as he's walking in as the lamb, there are lambs being brought into the temple. People uh, all across are coming into the temple, choosing a lamb that would go home with them for a couple days, be a nice little house pet, and then be sacrificed on Passover, and so it's now happening across the city that, that this is what's going on. The day of unleavened bread, the Passover lambs are being ready to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us, which to them would be common. It would be normal. It would be the thing that they did, that we may eat it. They said to him, where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, 
Behold. I love that. Behold. When you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house. The teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. It continues. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread and he, when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant. Everyone say new covenant. In my blood. It's a moment. It's a powerful moment. Jesus comes and he gathers his disciples in the upper room. And he shares with them that now, from now on, there is a new covenant. Good things happen at the table. How many of you agree that good things happen at the table? Like, I love meals. I like food. I love a good meal. I love gathering people at our house. Rachel and I love that we, we have people around the table. We, we cook, we, we have fun, we laugh, we joke, we, we have memories, we create memories. We just, it's a good time, right? When you know you're at a place and you're around a table and you're with people that you're comfortable, people that you know, family, right? And you have a good time, right? How many of you enjoy sitting at tables having good meals? Whether it's inside your home or outside of your home, there's laughter, there's joy, there's just great things that happened when you get at a table. This moment is much more than just a really cool dinner. This moment where sometimes we can read our Bibles and go, wow, that's really cool. That's what Jesus had to do. He had to prepare. This moment was significant. This moment for Jesus and his disciples was the moment that he would proclaim that the part that he has been declaring forever, for, for the time that he has been on earth and the time that the prophets have been this moment is now initiating the final few moments before Jesus goes to the cross. Now we get the whole story right today. We get to live it, we get to see it, we get to know. But can you imagine the disciples in that moment? What they were thinking, what they were experiencing, what they were hearing, what they were living in. It was, it was kind of like, what is going on? We were coming to celebrate Passover and Jesus is sharing a whole bunch of other stuff. Like to them, this was not normal. This was not common. This was Jesus. How many of you know Jesus is not normal? Jesus is not common. And so, so, so he, he's sharing with them what is happening. See, okay, I'm going to teach some Bible. All you Bible college students, Moody Bible, we love you. We're so glad you know your Bibles. I'm grateful for you all. Keep studying. For the rest of us, I'm going to do some Bible lesson. Is this Okay. If, even if it is, I got the mic and I got the notes and we're, we're going to go. <laughs> Passover. I, I've been in this thing, right? You've heard me say that a bunch. I, I don't know how many times I've like 
talked or preached about Passover. But over the last couple of years, God has been revealing his word to me that these things actually have significant matter. And so what's happening in this moment, all of the people of God, the people of Israel that we would read about all throughout the Old Testament, they are going and are called to go to Jerusalem. On the moment of Passover, they are called to go to the city and they all have to make the trek, make the journey, get to the city, be a part of this moment. It says that the city was full. Think about just a city filled with people all coming together, high-fiving each other, like we're here, we're gathering, like one big happy family. And what they're doing is that they're remembering a significant, incredible, miraculous moment that happened in in their families of past. What they're remembering is the moment where Yahweh came down and spoke a word to Moses and Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh fought it and God showed up. God continued to show up. And finally, the people were released. They make their way out of Egypt and they make their way to the sea and the sea split and they make their way through and they're free from the bondage of the Egyptians. And so the people now are here in this moment years later and they're remembering during Passover that moment where, where, where Moses said to them, hey, the, the angel of the Lord is going to come and mark your doorposts with the blood of the lamb. Mark that doorpost and it will be a sign that you are part of the family. And as a part of the family, the spirit of the Lord will pass over your house. And so Passover comes from that moment that they said, man, God spared us. We remember God's faithfulness. Church, can I say something to you in this moment right now? We need to remember how good our God has been to us, even through 2020. Come come on. But like, we need to remember how good our God is because if we forget how good our God is, we will get so fixated and focused on what we are experiencing now. See, I have a book of miracles and wonders and things that God has done in my life. I keep track, not every time, but when things are like, man, that's a mile marker. That's a memory. That's important. We mark it down and we look back because how many of you know, there are a lot more times when I don't think God's been faithful or how many times God, I'm like, God ain't faithful right now. Where are you? Just your pastor. Anybody else participating today? Praise the Lord. We're we're all in this ship together. And and I've had to look back and go, man, these are moments. These are things that I know God's been faithful. Man, he's going to be faithful ahead. So this moment is here where where the Passover is there and all the people are there and they're going to go take their lambs and they're going to go sacrifice them in the temple and they're going to to leave and they're going to celebrate. There's a feast now of unleavened bread that happens seven days after. I'm giving some history and it's a feast and a, a time of fasting and celebrating and they're going to do that to remember Passover. And so Jesus walks into this moment, this intimate moment between Jesus and his disciples who have walked with them, who have talked with them, who have cried with them, who've prayed with them, who've done miracles with him, seen the wonders with him, fed the 5,000 with him, were actually sent out by him to go do the same things. Like These guys are now in this place to celebrate a moment that was a part of their history. And so, so they're there. I'm, I'm just, this is a scene. Like, this is a moment. And Jesus gathers them and, come on, let's get to this house. Let's get there. We're going we're gonna to do this because this is what we've done and this isn't bad. Jesus is not downplaying this. He's not. But what Jesus does is that he's trying to get them to go, this is no longer just about remembrance. 
This is about me. What Jesus does in this moment, at this dinner, at this table, good things happen at the dinner. The best thing happened at this dinner table. Jesus steps into the middle of this tradition, of this time, of this thing called Passover. And he says, this whole thing is now going to be about me. The lamb, the Passover lamb. The one that was declared that would come and take the sins away from man. Jesus steps into this moment. This, like, like this, this is a scene. This is a moment. And he's saying, I didn't, I, I, we can remember what, my, what, what, what Yahweh did. But, 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 but listen, listen, listen. The lamb, the final one, the, the one that will sacrifice for everybody, it's now. It's here. It's, it's me, Jesus says. Now, I just have to imagine the disciples are going... Why? Because one account, I think it's John, they start arguing, the bro- like start arguing about who's best. <laughs> like moments later. See, guys, this is good news because we're not crazy. Like he's telling them, this is now the Passover. This is who I am. This is, and then they go, who's better? <laughs> but he's sharing the Father's heart with them. He's sharing the Father's heart that he not only is a delivering God, but he's a God that fulfills his word. Guys, hold on, please. Hold on to the faith. Don't let someone creep in on you. Don't let someone knock you off course. Don't let something or someone speak against this thing. Hold on to this thing because I know one thing's true about God. I know a lot of things are true about God, but I know one thing is true, that he keeps his word. He kept it in this moment that he would send the Messiah, he would send the sacrificial lamb to come. He said it and it's happening. And so he shows in this moment that the deliverance out of Egypt was a shadow for what the ultimate deliverance would be for mankind. That a people would be delivered out of the hands of Egyptians and out of slavery, but this would be a moment where Jesus comes to deliver mankind. Anybody thankful for the deliverance of Jesus Christ in your life? And so Jesus comes to this moment and he shares this idea of new covenant. The new covenant, which he said, this is my blood. And that's language that would be familiar. Covenant is all throughout scripture. And we're going to talk in a moment about that. But he shares a couple things that I want to just talk about. And then we're going to take communion together. And we're going to worship. And we're going to go and be the disciples Jesus called us to be. And amen. He shares three things, I believe. And he shares a lot in this. But that the new and eternal covenant is about. The first thing that the new covenant is about is it's about closeness. Jesus in this moment declares that the new covenant that he is, that that, that who he is, it's all about closeness. It says, when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Closeness. He was so close that he was reclining at the table. Do you all, I mean, for me, I know I love a meal when I can wear sweatpants and sweatshirts and recline at my table. Come on, how many, let's just come home for a second here. Like, like I all, I like getting dressed up. I like looking fancy. I like getting all that. Hasn't happened in a while, but you know, like I enjoy it. But what I enjoy more is sitting at my house with my feet up on the chair across the table from me, lounging at the table. And Rachel's like, what's wrong with you? Can you sit up? Can you have some manners? 
I'm like, I'm home. I'm comfortable. This is close. The people here with me are close. This is nice. This is intimate. How many of you know, if I did that at the steakhouse down the street in Chicago, like it would not go well. They'd be like, um, sir, <laughs> sir, you're going to have to, I'm just lounging. This is not for your lounging anyways. It says that Jesus reclined at the table and says, I have eagerly desired for this moment. I've eagerly awaited this moment. Jesus is doing something incredible here. He's bringing those that he loves and those that have followed him, those that have given up everything. Guys, catch this. In John chapter six, we're gonna reference it a couple times, but in John chapter six, it, it talks about Jesus sharing all this stuff and it says that there were disciples that heard the teaching of Jesus and left. We need to know something. I heard this recently, profoundly impactful. I was talking to pastor. There's a difference between a disciple and an attendee. And more than ever, I think Jesus is just sorting them out. And that's not to hurt anybody. That's not to condemn anybody. That's a call today. Will you be an attendee or will you actually be a disciple? And so the disciples that have chosen to continue to go with Jesus all the way to this moment have shared an intimate stuff with him, are there with him. Man, they're there now reclining with him in a deep, intimate conversation and moment. He's sharing with them, yes, we're here to celebrate Passover, what uh, Yahweh did, what has happened, why are people being let go, let my people go. He's, he's there in that moment, sharing about a moment that they remember, but, but Jesus is there saying, no, 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 no. This thing is no longer just about remembering, this thing is about right now. He's taking a natural moment, and he's taking it and turning it into a supernatural moment, revealing that we are going to be now no longer people that are rejected, abandoned, forsaken, lost, but because of Jesus, we are now found and we are able to sit at his table. We are close. Can I say this, please, church? This is such a transforming thing. I've said it a bunch. I gotta stop saying, can I say this? I'm not gonna say it. The highest call for, for us to, to be called is sons and daughters. If you're looking for a better title, a better, a better thing? Well, well, I'm a worship leader. No, you're just, just be a son. Just be a daughter. Well, there's giftings. There's talents. But the identity starts knowing you're, you're his kids. And so Jesus is saying, like, in this moment, while they're all sitting at the table going, this is a really good natural, in the natural, in the present moment, but this is a picture of what will happen when I go to the cross and die for you, that you will now no longer just be seated in the natural, but you will supernaturally be placed in the heavenlies with my Father, seated at his table as one of his kids. Like, when did this stop being taught? Like, this is the greatest news ever. I'm a kid of God. Like, I'm not an orphan. Like, I'm not running around going, who am I? We have an identity crisis because we're going to the world saying, tell me who I am. Tell me who I am. Tell me, me, tell me who I am. Put the labels on me. Put the labels. Can I, like, like, the label for you today and forever is son and daughter. Period. It starts there. It starts there. And we're like, we're like, I need more. You know what's awesome about being a son of the king? I got all the resources of the king. <laughs> That's prideful, Pastor. No, it's just me being a kid. My son doesn't do jack in our house. Like, he runs around. He doesn't, he just not, he, I mean, he cleans up his table. I've taught him that. Like, he, it's awesome. He, like, he wipes down his table. I'm like, good job, son. But that brother doesn't do, he just runs around like, Dad, you, Mom, you give me everything. He goes, this is what he says, me, please, me, please. I'm like, I always go give you the fact that you said please. <laughs> 
You know why? He knows he's, a, he's my son. And we're wandering around going, where, what, oh, what? And Jesus is like, no, no, no. This is a moment that if you call upon my name because of the cross and what he's going to do, you will be seated at the table with God. Can we stop people of faith running around looking for identity and all these other things? Start attaching ourselves to the promise. So this moment is showing the true nature of his father's kingdom, not a takeover, but a sacrifice. That the, that the, the covenant, the new covenant, the new and eternal covenant that, that Jesus is declaring is not one of takeover. It's not one of coming and, 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 and stripping people out of physical slavery and bondage. He does that and he will continue to do that, but it's one of sacrifice. That because of his sacrifice, we get to come close. What happens here is that Jesus reveals the heart of God. I said it in first service. I'm at this age now where I just, I don't really care about anything else except knowing what the Father's heart is about. Like, I, I love books. <laughs> I love podcasts. I listen to them. But I just want to sit in the presence of God and know what the Father's heart's about for me. And in this moment, Jesus gives us a clear picture that God does not want to just give deliverance from places of bondage, but he also wants to give us joy and intimate fellowship with him. Because when you're close to Jesus, which Jesus is declaring is a possibility now because of what he's going to do. You with me? We're not getting to the cross yet. We're not there. But so in this moment, he's saying, you will no longer just be people that get freed out of bondage. You will actually get me. And in getting Jesus, you will have joy. You know, a true sign and indicator of a believer is joy. Not happiness. Happiness is good. Happiness is fine. But happiness is based off of happenings in your life. You're happy when something happens. You know what joy is? When you're in the midst of a storm and you are smiling with, with Jesus in praise. You know what joy is? When you've literally lost all things, if you're, like every ounce of money in your bank account and you're still going, yeah, he's good. Like, I know he got, he's got me. Like, like I, we, we've been there. Rachel and I have been there. Like, like, we, like some of you college students are like, say that again, pastor, give it to me. It's true, like joy is those moments where, man, you should not have confidence in God because of what your circumstances are telling you. But because of Jesus coming close, because of the new and eternal covenant, you can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have joy. It's a true indicator of a believer. And I think more than ever right now, it's definitely a true indicator of those that are following Jesus. 2020 has exposed that. In one, one moment, we're going to be shut down for two weeks. How about a whole year? Like, Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? No, no, he's there. He's there. He hasn't left. He hasn't left. Is this okay, church? And so, so, so Jesus models in this covenant that it's no longer covenants. Because if you, okay, if, I don't have time to get into this, but if go through family formations, hear what we have to say about covenants. We believe, like all the Old Testament covenants, there's a, handf a handful, there's like seven of them. Um, in the Old Testament. And so they talk and they lead people, the people of Israel, all the way through. And what the covenants will say is, hey, this is the law of the Lord. This is the way of the Lord. This is how the Lord has called you. That Yahweh is chosen. Like, this is what you do in order to stay in covenant. And now the covenant is now being going, no, no, no. It is now Jesus on behalf of us. That's how this covenant works. Because how many of you know, we can't do this thing without Jesus. Every hand should go up, even if you don't believe in Jesus in this house. Every hand should go up. Well, like, so this moment of, of this time, he's bringing us close. He's, he's coming from a place of closeness, that which gives us the power to live. 
He's saying, I'm going to go and my body's going to be broken and beaten and bruised and my blood's going to be poured out and it's going to give you the closeness through the access of the Holy Spirit to live an empowered life. When, when did we stop realizing that the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us? Like, we are not weak people. Amen, Pastor. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Like, oh, Pastor, I was really feeling, that was a good, yeah. Like, I'm not talking cocky. I think that whole scene's over with the church being cocky. What the world's looking for is people that are empowered. And because of his closeness, we get to be empowered. Because of him coming and fulfilling the new and eternal covenant, we get to walk in power. Not power to rule and dictate like the people thought he would, but power to love and to serve and to help. I don't have time. I got to keep going for the sake of time. Unless you all want to stay till like one o'clock. You want to stay till one o'clock? They're like, no, no. The fast is over, pastor. We're going to brunch. <laughs> Jesus models for his disciples that he's not a king who is out of touch with our lives, but invites us to come to his table and feast on his life. It says that Jesus eagerly desired. I think the truth is the same for us today. He eagerly desires to be with you. He eagerly desires to meet with you. He does. The question is, is will you meet with him? Because he's, he's, he's available. He's ready. He's ready. He's ready. Like, he's eager. Like, I just, I just, I picture that. Like, the whole, like, he's eager and ready to meet with you. Whenever you're at, wherever you're at, in your car, in your house, in your office, on your Zoom calls, on your business Zoom calls, on your classes. Like, he's eagerly ready to meet you. The question is, are you inviting him? So the new covenant shows that. The second thing that the new covenant also shows, this is crucial, is that this thing is costly costly. It's not costly for us in this moment when Jesus is there. We all know it's going to cost him everything. That this new covenant, this new way of living, this new access into the, the kingdom, into the family, into the, into the presence is, is going to cost Jesus, not money to get this table set up, not money to get the good Passover meal set up, not to send the disciples in and go find it, right? right? We don't get an account that Jesus had to spend money. It didn't cost Jesus money. It didn't cost Jesus time. It didn't cost Jesus resources of anything. It cost him, him. It cost him him. The new covenant that Jesus proclaims and is proclaimed over our lives today is that it cost him him. Jesus says in, in John chapter 6 that, that, hey, listen, if you're going to be one of my disciples, and this is crazy language, right? This is wild verbiage. He's like, you're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, that wouldn't go over too well in this time, day and age. What the mess? Who's this guy? Like, you're going to eat my body and drink my blood. No, no, I'm not. Like, no, I'm not. He said, no, 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 no. Not physically speaking, but supernaturally speaking. You're going to have to eat my body and drink my blood because like your ancestors in the wilderness that ate manna and died, if you eat my body, if you drink my blood, if you attach yourself to me, you will live forever. Yeah, we're going to die. Like I've never met anybody that's outlived life. Have you? No. If you have, I don't want to know about it. Like, don't call me back. Pastor, actually, there's this person I met, and I don't want to see it. I don't want to go near that. That is demonic. 
We all have an expiration date. Like, can we catch that? Because some of us are living like we don't. We have an expiration date. We're all going to stand before God one day. And he's going to look at us and say either one of two things, well done, or I don't know you. That doesn't build churches. Builds disciples. So Jesus says, hey, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to eat my body, you're going to drink my blood, and you will live. He's sharing in that moment in John 6. Now, we were reading the come from Luke, but later on in his time of ministry, he's now in the upper room saying, hey, guys, this is my body and my blood, a representation, the, the bread and the wine. This is me. This is going to be me. This is a representation of me. I'm now going to die. I'm going to suffer so that because of my suffering, you can have salvation. Because of what it costs me, you can walk in calling. Because of what it costs me, you can walk in freedom. This costs you and I nothing. Can we just be at the point of this, like understanding that, like there's nothing I can do to get God's love. There's nothing that I can do to, to like, ah, I can muster this up. I, no, I can't do anything. It costs Jesus everything for me on my behalf. And when I know that, and when I come to grips with that, man, there's nothing else I wanna do except give him glory. Do I do it perfectly? Ask Rachel. She'll tell you. Do I want to constantly get up and get better and get deeper and go more? Yes, because I know what it cost him. He gave up his body. Piercings in his hands, in his feet, thorns on his head, lashes on his back. For me and for you. So my body's got to do this. This is... This is, in essence, the lambs that were coming to be sacrificed. The physical body had to show up. And then he says, my blood is also going to cost me so that it could cover you. See, in covenant language, we don't necessarily catch that unless we talk about a marriage. But in covenant, they understood it back then. They lived off of covenants. Covenants with one another. With, like, if you read your Bible, covenant is all throughout. The understanding of covenant was significant. We, we don't understand what covenant means today. Can I, can I say this? That's why, that's why marriages are constantly attacked because we don't understand the power of what we're doing when we enter into a marriage. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. And, there, and God is so about covenant. It is his language. It is the kingdom. And he's saying blood is the, is the activator, is the button to what activates covenant. Jesus could have just given up his body, took a couple lashes, took a thorn, took a, no, 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 it, it had to be blood. His blood had to be poured out. His, his blood had to be shed, like Moses coming down from the mountain, reading the law in Exodus, and then showering the people with, with blood, which is just another story. I'm like, what the mess? Don't worry, guys, I won't do that. I'm not going to be like, come here, guys. Bad joke. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm going to do it so none of you have to. So that while you actually live on this thing called earth, planet earth, your life, however long it's given to you, you can actually walk in the freedom that I paid for, for you. You know, I shared this story earlier. Worship team could come on up. I didn't always serve Jesus, as many as you know that. Some of you might not know it's your first time. Like, I saw 
God, I saw his church at 12 years old. I saw what his church was about. I saw my parents get hurt and ministry. And I said, nah, nah, that's not for me. I don't want a trail of, you know, being a pastor's kid, you have to show up to church, right? Like you, you're going regardless if you believe in this thing or not. Like parents dragging you to it. Like, and I'd sit in church and just be like, this is whatever. And I'd go live life. And I, I enjoyed life to the point where I was so broken and lost that I would come home from college breaks or like I would have a weekend off from, from, from playing or practices and I'd come home and I would just really come home so I could get laundry done and get some good food. <laughs> that was really it. And I loved my family, so I'd see them too. But I would be in my bedroom sleeping and It'd be like two in the morning and my mom would open up my door and come in. And I, you ever like get startled to the point of like, you're like, I'm, I'm throwing hands. Like she'd like, and then I'm like, the mess is this? And she would just sit at the edge of my bed. She'd be praying in the spirit of God. Like my mom is a prayer warrior. She'd be praying, 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 praying. Then she would just begin to say, I plead the blood of Jesus over him. I plead the blood of Jesus. Like the blood of Jesus, would it cover him? Would it, would it be the thing that he sees and understands and gets? And anything else, the blood of Jesus that paid for him, that was costly, would it cover him? And she would leave and I'd be so mad. I wouldn't even be able to sleep the rest of the night. I'd be like, come on, mom. Like Jesus is just there. And I'm like, I don't want you. But lo and behold, like I stopped running and he saved my life. And it's the best thing that's ever happened. But I remember that going, would the blood of Jesus just cover us? When did we stop cheapening the blood of Jesus? When did we stop saying, I'm saved, but I can live like hell. Like when did we start doing that? Somewhere along the lines when we forgot how much this actually cost Jesus. Not to condemn us, but to build us, to strengthen us, to, to equip us to do the works he's called us to do. And in this moment, Jesus is going, this thing is going to cost me. It's going to cost me so that you can have life, so that you can live. Anybody in this moment, even if you're at home watching, just for a second, are you thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ? I think so, Pastor. And we know he doesn't stop there. Jesus is amazing. And Jesus says, I'm going to go and I'm going to suffer and I'm going to give up my life for you because this is the new covenant that anybody that would call upon my name will be saved. Will be saved. Salvation actually means freedom. Will be saved. And free, not bound. Church. Church. because of him being the Passover lamb, everyone that calls upon his name will receive all the benefits of his suffering. It's costly, but it was given to us. So Jesus, the final moment, he shares something encompassing of all this. He, he, he says that the new covenant that he's proclaiming, that he's fulfilling, that he's about his daddy's work is that he is bringing a new covenant that is filled with comfort. Comfort. Now, when I say the word comfort, it can get twisted. 
because it's been twisted in the church. See, comfort for many years, I've been through so many, I've been through, I've been around, I've been around like a lot of churches. When you say comfort, the first thing I, when we were writing and researching this week and talking, I was like, oh, well, comfort, like I should have a nice house. I should have a nice car. Comfort means that bad things don't happen to me. Does anybody else think of this when you hear the word comfort? That Jesus enacted the new covenant, which is comfort. Like we've heard, maybe it's just me. Maybe, maybe this generation doesn't understand this or doesn't know this, but like for my generation sitting, like the idea of comfort was like, Jesus will give you everything you need and more. Because that's who he is. He'll just make sure that your comfort is the best thing ever. Now listen, I'm not downplaying the idea that God is a provider. I'm not downplaying that he owns a cat on a thousand hills and that as his kids, he cares for the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. I'm not downplaying any of that. I believe that. Come on, how many of you know, as a, as a parent that's about to have a second kid, I'm like, Lord, you better come through. <laughs> you best believe, like, I'm calling down heaven. Like, you better provide that thing. Like, anyways, that's just me. Pray for your pastor. But if we really cheapen this thing for comfort, just being what we think we should have, what the new covenant and the eternal covenant gave us was the fact that Jesus would go to the cross, like Hebrews talks about, fulfill what his father asked him to do and would help us and empower us to do every good work that he's called us to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, I love Jesus because he's declaring he's going to go. He's declaring that his, he's going to go do this thing. His, 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 his covenant now is no longer this thing about being abandoned and being left but it's about having the Holy Spirit who is called the Comforter in our lives. Guys, this is why, um, I'm gonna say this and, and, I, and I hope this comes out the way it does. If it, not, it does not, email Pastor Jordan at dot flutter at oasischurch.com. <laughs> this is why I, I feel this and I wanna say this. I sense this, I wanna say this. Um, this is why Satan will do everything he can to disrupt your, your peace. Because when you feel like you don't have peace, you feel like you don't have the spirit in you. But the reality is, is that the Holy Spirit, when in you, will never leave you. And so we need to learn how to say, no, 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 no. I have the comforter in me. I don't need to be comforted by anything else, by anybody else, by any type of drug, by any type of drink, by any, I don't need to be comforted by anything. I have the ultimate comforter because of Jesus and what he did on that cross. So I'm here to declare, like, for some of you, you just need to hear that today, and that's all you needed to hear, that the Holy Spirit actually is the comforter. And chaos is not a part of what the Holy Spirit has called us to. Trials, tribulations, pain, sure. Chaos, double-mindedness. Hello, church. I'm coming right to your bedrooms, talking right to you. Like, he didn't call us to that. Because in this moment, in this declaration of Jesus, he says the new covenant will bring you all the comforts you need. It's going to cost me. I'm going to be close with you. But in the ultimate reward, you're going to have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That, that no longer are you orphans, but your sons and daughters. No longer do you have to go to the high priest to get what you need. No longer do you have to go to your pastors and be the vessel that the only thing that you ever pray with or pray is the only time when you pray is when you're with your pastor. No, no, you are now called a royal priesthood. 
You can go right to the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit and you can talk with them. You can commune with them. You can, you can engage with the presence of God. You can be found be to be lost in the presence of God. And Jesus, in this moment, at this table, at this Passover moment, is saying to the people, hey, you know how we remembered and we come and we gather in this city to look ahead to the Messiah that will come? It's me. And because I'm here, the Father's kingdom is just going to open up wide to anybody that would receive it. And it's going to be through the Holy Spirit that you will be able to walk this thing out day in and day out. For me, that's like the best news I need to hear today. That's it. The comforter, the covenant is close. It's cost him, but this takes us from a self-confidence to a Christ confidence. Can we stop being so self-confident? That whole idea, I'm just a confident man. Like, no, no, you're, you're weak. I'm weak. I'm weak. And any, like, like I, I don't know how to be the best husband. I don't know how to be the best dad. I don't know how to be a pastor. I don't know how to be a friend. I don't know how to be a brother. I don't know how to be a kid. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Because guess what? I've tried to help myself. And every time it's left me more broken, more jacked up, more messed up. It, it doesn't work. <laughs> I just love self-care. I do too. I like some good times away. But this is not about self-centered. This is about Christ-centered in us through the Spirit. And you want to live a life that's filled with joy? Stop trying to do it yourself. Invite him in. Because that's what this whole thing's about. This whole covenant is brand new to anybody that would call upon the name of Jesus will be 